are listening to the Gospel Project for Adults Weekly Leader Training. Welcome to this week's episode of the Gospel Project for Adults Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This is Daniel Davis. This week we are looking at Unit 16, Session 4, titled God's Presence in All Places, which is a doctrine session looking at the biblical truth that God is omnipresent. Over the last number of sessions, stretching back into the previous volume, we have seen the devastating effect of sin and judgment in the destruction the Lord brought upon Judah and Jerusalem. He used the Babylonians as his instrument to crush his own temple, conquer his own people, and to take many of them captive into exile in keeping with his law and word. It would have been easy for the exiles to see themselves in a foreign land, under a foreign king, and surrounded by foreign gods, and believe that God was no longer with them. Don't we find ourselves in a similar frame of mind when things aren't going our way? When we are weighed down by troubles and burdens in this world, or perhaps even when we are suffering under the consequences of our own sin, do we not wonder if God sees? Do we not wonder if God even cares? Do we not question the promises of God to never forsake His people? Don't we secretly ponder if our most recent sin has been the step too far, the straw to break the camel's back? But nothing could be further from the truth. God is present everywhere. God hears, cares for, and promises to dwell with His people, whether weighed down by the world or reeling from the consequences of sin. With the doctrine sessions in the Gospel Project, which come at the conclusion of each unit, we focus on a key doctrine that helps to frame the unit of study we've been in. So in this case, at the beginning of the unit, we saw Jeremiah prophesy about the Lord's involvement and concern in the present and coming exile for Judah. And then we saw the Lord figure prominently in the lives and ministry of Daniel and his three friends who had been exiled to Babylon. Whether at home or away, the Lord graciously remained with his people. Also with these doctrine sessions, we take a little liberty to explore other places in Scripture outside the storyline, to examine more of the counsel of God and understand the truth He communicates to us in His Word. So in point one, we backtrack a bit to understand that God is present to hear from His people. In the golden era of Israel, in the heyday of Solomon's rule, King Solomon built a glorious temple for the Lord. This was meant to be the Lord's house on earth the place where the Israelites and God-fearing Gentiles could be in proximity to the Lord's presence, and for Israel to participate in the religious rites of sacrifice, fellowship, and worship. But even as Solomon built this temple according to the plans of the Lord, he recognized the irony of its construction. He said, Will God indeed live on earth? Even heaven, the highest heaven, cannot contain you, much less this temple I have built. So Solomon took the occasion of this dedication of the temple he had built to recognize the Lord's divine attribute of omnipresence and to apply this to the practice of prayer. If the Lord is everywhere, and He is, then no matter where His servants are, they can voice their prayers to Him with confidence that He hears, and they can confess their sins to Him no matter their circumstances, up to and including exile, and know that He hears and stands ready and willing to forgive those who come to Him in repentance and faith. And on this side of the cross, that means coming to Jesus, the Son of God, in repentance and faith, believing that He is the only way of salvation. Point 2 looks at a portion of Psalm 33, 
to emphasize that God is present to care for his people. Again, with the idea that God's people can be anywhere in the world, whether on account of travel or discipline, the Lord sees his people. But this psalm goes a step further to say the Lord observes everyone. Every single person on planet Earth exists under the watchful gaze of the Creator, in whose image they have been made. And not only does the Lord see us in our existence, He observes all our works. This psalm also hits on the Lord's attributes of omniscience and omnipotence, but with a focus on omnipresence, the only hope all people on earth have of being saved, rescued, and finding escape and safety is by coming to the Lord who is present everywhere. Our sense of strength as human beings, even ones with power and authority on earth, cannot sustain us and provide for our needs. But the Lord who is present can and does rescue those who come to Him in faith, or as the psalmist put it, those who fear Him, those who depend on His faithful love. I see two aspects of response here. One, if we believe that the Lord is present everywhere, then that should come with a healthy sense of the fear of the Lord. And when we sin, we either forget or intentionally try to ignore the truth that God is present with us even at that very moment. A second aspect of response builds on this. If the Lord is present with us in keeping with His faithful love, then the hope for restoration with the Lord through repentance isn't a matter of penance, but of humility just turning around and turning to Jesus, as it were. He is there, ready and willing to wrap up His children once again in His faithful and loving arms that He allowed to be pierced and nailed to a cross for our forgiveness and salvation. Finally, in point three, we get to the Christmas part of our session, as this session is originally slated to be used for December 25th, Christmas Day. In the focal passage from Isaiah 7, we are comforted by the truth that God is present to dwell with His people. Isaiah 7, 10-14 presents a bit of the context for a key doctrine that figures significantly in our worship and songs at this time of the year. In verse 14 in particular, we have the Old Testament prophecy that the virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. Most Christians, I would imagine, are familiar with these ideas from the birth stories of Jesus in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. Matthew 1.23 even quotes this verse as justification for the words of the angel that appeared to Joseph and the subsequent fulfillment of those words. But when we read this verse in Isaiah in its original context, we might come away confused because this prophecy was being given to King Ahaz of Judah for a very real scenario he was presently facing, the threat of invasion by two allied neighboring nations, one of which was the kingdom of Israel to their immediate north. So what do we make of this prophecy? Was it for Ahaz, or was it meant to point to Jesus? The answer is yes on both accounts. Oftentimes, prophecies in the scriptures, especially those that find fulfillment in the life and ministry of Jesus, have a double fulfillment, one near and one far off. For Ahaz, about 700 years before the birth of Christ, it is likely that a young woman, which the Hebrew word for virgin could mean, and possibly the wife of Isaiah himself, conceived a child who would be the sign of preservation and hope for Ahaz. But the ultimate fulfillment, of course, comes through the miraculous virgin conception and birth of Jesus Christ by the work of the Holy Spirit. And whereas a son of Isaiah would be symbolic of the Lord's presence and care for his people in a difficult time, Jesus comes as Emmanuel in the truest sense, 
God with us. The Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, was sent by God the Father into this world to take on flesh so that he could live in perfect holiness and die as a humble sacrifice in our place. With Christmas, we recognize the omnipresence of God and the amazing blessing of the Lord to dwell in his creation with us so we might be saved from our sin and experience eternal life with him in Jesus Christ. God, who has no limits, is always with his people to hear from them and care for them. God's desire to be with his people has been made known to us in Christ Jesus, who came to earth to live among humanity and to suffer and die so that people can be in a relationship with God forevermore. Because God is ever-present and nothing escapes his notice, we can find comfort and hope in all circumstances, while also seeking to confess the sin in our lives, which can never be hidden from him anyway. Our omnipresent God and Father sent his omnipresent Son through the omnipresent Spirit so that Jesus could die in space and time for our salvation. If the omnipresent Lord who sees all and knows all would do this to save sinners, how can we not come to him in humility and worship for the forgiveness he freely offers? And furthermore, let us consider this question. What is keeping us from honoring our God and Savior by sharing this good news of the incarnation and gospel of Jesus Christ with the world? Thanks for listening to this week's leader training for the Gospel Project for Adults. For more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.